Uh, so we're continuing our sermon series on Ecclesiastes, and thank you, Malcolm, for, for starting it off last week. Um, I really liked going to Ecclesiastes after Ruth, because I don't know whether you noticed, but the end of Ruth is a genealogy about uh, Ruth's children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, up to King David and King Saul. And um, so it shows the purpose of Ruth's life. And then Ecclesiastes starts with meaningless, meaningless. And we read the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, which ends with the words, no one in future generations will remember you. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a really interesting contrast because we remember Ruth because God used her life for a huge purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're looking at Ecclesiastes 3. Would someone like to read it? Perhaps Stephen Dunn. It's oh, that's great. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Next slide. Sorry. Just think about that for a bit. (laughs) And here it is. (laughs) A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the heart, in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So, I'm going to start with a bit of music in a minute. I really like how music conveys emotion. Most, most of us here probably love music. And there's a beautiful piece of film music by Ennio Morricone called... No clue. The Mission. Oh, right. no, <laughs> you know the movie? No. Ah, you have to listen to the music. Right. It's a very famous film music. Gabriel's Over. Oh, well, that's one of them. This is the, the theme song. And that has a really uplifting feel. Uh, and it makes me, when I hear that music, think of the amazing things that happen in life, all the good times. Things like my university years. I actually really enjoyed university. I know some people didn't, but I did. They were a lot of fun. It was a really good season in my life. You can see me there on a Pacific island in, in Bougainville with some people just going spearfishing, coming back, and uh, playing basketball with some, some friends in my backyard. That was a really good time. 
And then there was travelling overseas with Nicole after we got married. We spent a year travelling to see us there in the Taj Mahal and here in a forest near Munich in Germany. That was, that was a lot of fun too, really good time. And then of course there's the birth of my kids. Each of them was born healthy and beautiful. So they were good, good days, good weeks. Each one of those was a special time in my life. So I'm going to have some music playing now. I want you to think about the special times in your life. I want you to write down some of those times. So I kind of got you to write those things down just because I want you to spend a little bit of time praying today and thanking God for the good times. But would anyone like to share something they wrote down, a time that was really special and positive for them? No one needs to, but if you want to, let's hear um, back in the day, I had something called the Emu Gully Leadership Camp, and I think Luke just did it as well. Um, and pretty much, you go away with all your school friends, and you go through like these different challenges together. And I think that was one of the coolest times of through school was the Emu Gully Brilliant. camp together. Yep. Starting with you was a great time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. When I got my driver's license. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, there's a movie called License to Drive, a B-grade comic from the 80s, about, yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, we were right, our era, right? Totally good. Gee, I enjoyed that one. Oh, you're here too. It's alright. I got you down here as well. But that was the first one before I met you. Shalanda, yeah. Um, it was when we were we first moved up here when I was like thirteen, and my mum used to go to bed early because she's an early riser. And then I got to sneak out of bed and watch movies with my dad. <laughs> Lovely, what a memory. Yeah. Cool. Anyone online? Andrew Bessman and family, or um, Stevie? Oh, okay. Internet problems. Yeah, it's very slow. Sorry, guys, my internet has been really bad the last week. Something's wrong with the line. It's the best. And mine as well. Yeah. Yeah, this week. All right, so there are plenty of good times in life, aren't there? Um, Life's sometimes really, really good. Of course, it's actually sometimes really, really awful too, isn't it? So I'm not going to ask you to remember and write down the awful times. I thought that would be a bit unkind. But I know each of us has had terrible seasons, hard seasons in life. Every person universally experiences bad times.
the interest rates, 20 cents. So that was hard for a lot of families then. Um, paying off the loan was a big difficulty. I remember my parents talking about wondering how they were going to afford to pay off the loan with interest rates of 20 percent. And probably, I don't know, Stacey, did you experience hard times then? I was working in three jobs to the mortgage. Yeah. That was a pretty tough time for a lot of people. And then, I guess we've all probably been um, touched by death somewhere in our lives. I remember in my early 20s, a call from one of my friend's father telling me that my friend, his son, had just committed suicide, had hung himself. That was a pretty terrible time. Father had woken up at night and he just had heard the scream in his head even though it didn't actually, there was no scream out loud, and he just knew something had happened to his son. Mm. And he got up, and he drove around to his son's house. The door was locked, he couldn't get in, and he went home. And then the next morning, someone did break into his son's house and found him hanging. Sure, they were pretty hard days for that family. We all have struggling times, don't we? Not all times in life are good. We've got the good seasons, we've got the painful seasons. Maybe you've got a painful season right now. Or maybe someone you love does. In those hard times, though, I think in our lucid moments at least, we know that they're not going to go forever. They're going to end. Out of the tough times come the good times. Out of ashes rise good things. Seasons ebb and flow, don't they? That's perhaps what helps us, that knowledge helps us to persevere through the hard times. Certainly Solomon understood this truth of our life. This is what he wrote. There's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, and a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search, time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for everything. Weeping gives way to laughing. Mourning gives way to dancing. The troubles in this life, as difficult and acute as they are, they're not forever. I'm just thinking right now of Mike's job. Didn't have a job for those months and now he's got one. Yeah. Perhaps a better time? Yeah. Maybe not. Less stress. <laughs> Less stress, yeah. But way busier. Yeah. Busier. I bet it is. Yeah. So it depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> right. Great for him. <laughs> Wars do end though, don't they? Peace does come. As you can see, this photo from 1945 shows. Yeah. Wounds heal as well, don't they? It's pretty amazing. You know, how does the body heal? Go from this ulcer, which over a number of days 
heels into a, into a scar. And droughts, they eventually end with rain and new green shoots. Dry and parched earth becomes green again. So the changing seasons of life, they've got benefits for us, don't they? Because the difficult and dark days end and good days eventually come. But the opposite's also true. Good times give way to hard times. For every birth, there's a death. Stones are gathered, but they're also scattered. And what's even more and frustrating and frightening is that this is actually usually out of our control. When we look at the words of Ecclesiastes 3, we might be tempted to think that these seasons are under our control. We can decide when to build or when to tear down, can't we? We can decide when to plant, when to uproot. Yeah? Maybe not, actually. I reckon, if you look at it, this, this poem's talking about things that are outside of our control. We don't decide when we're born, we don't decide when we die. We can't choose when to be happy, we can't choose when to be sad. We can't choose when to laugh or when to cry. It's been a week, as I said, of crying and laughing for my kids when it comes to our two cats. There's Simon holding uh, Rupert and Annie holding Tabitha. That was a really happy time getting these cats or kittens as they were then. This week, Tabby, the one Annie's holding, who normally sleeps inside at night, escaped one evening. <laughs> Tim, Tim and Rachel were here doing music practice. That was a pretty miserable time for the kids. They were pretty scared. There was a lot of tears. Um, who knows? Maybe she get eaten by a python or hit by a car. Fortunately, a few hours later, I managed to track her halfway down the street, track her down. She had a GPS collar on. <laughs> and I managed to drag her out of the bushes, screaming, hissing and, and scratching. She didn't want to come in. But the tears from the kids changed to laughter pretty fast. That was just a matter of hours. And then this morning, as I said, Matthew came in to tell me that Rupert was sick. He was paralysed in a pool of urine. Took him to the vet, the vet found a tick under his ear, pulled it out, and has given him uh, anti-serum and put him in an oxygen um, box. Rupert's there hanging on for his life at the moment. He may not live. He may. I don't know. But there have been a lot of tears over the last few days. And these are events that are outside our control. These emotions were outside our control. It's the same with war and peace. I decide when there's war or when there's peace. In fact, I think it's true of everything that's described in this poem here. Take, for example, planting and uprooting. Even planting and uprooting are out of our control. We can only plant when the weather allows. There's no point planting seeds at a time of year when they're not going to grow. And the growing itself, we don't control that. And then we can only harvest once, once the plant has grown. The truth of the matter is, we're actually not in control of our destiny much as we like to think we are, we're not. And that's pretty frightening. But we shouldn't be overcome with fear. We shouldn't allow ourselves to become frustrated, even when we can't understand it. Because God's actually at work in our lives in every season. That's what verse 11 and 14 tell us. God's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can understand what God's done from beginning to end. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, 
nothing can be taken from it. God does it so people will fear him. A long time ago, there was a young man who was so hated by his jealous brothers that they attacked him, sold him into slavery. The man ended up in a prison cell. We can only imagine how he must have felt, locked up, wondering how his life had ended in such a mess. He must have felt incredible pain, being thrown into a pit by his family members, sold to slavery, betrayed, losing his liberty. Where could God possibly have been in the midst of all that pain and suffering? This, of course, is the true story of the ancient Hebrew man, Joseph. Joseph, who was sold into slavery, ended up in the prison in Egypt, only to be discovered by the king of Egypt, by Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh discovered that Joseph actually had uncommon insight and wisdom, Pharaoh brought him out of prison and eventually promoted him to be the prime minister of Egypt. And because of this, Joseph later had the opportunity to save his brothers and his families from a famine. And of course, that family grew into the Jewish nation. And Jesus came from that. And we know the story because of that. So God was at work back then, in hard times, in a way that no one could have understood as it was happening. But what God did through the life of Joseph actually still endures today. The work of God endures forever. So when we let God work in our lives, whether the season's good or bad, His work in us isn't going to go to waste. It's going to have a lasting impact. Sometimes we won't see this impact. Sometimes we may not even see this impact in our whole life. But ultimately, God's at work changing our hearts, transforming us if we let Him. Transforming us through both the good and the hard times, so that we're ready to be part of eternity, part of that beautiful eternal house that he's making ready for us. So verses 12 and 13 share this with us. I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. We're called to trust God to find satisfaction and joy as the seasons change in our life. Our lives are a gift from God. And this is wisdom that's not just found in Ecclesiastes, it's found throughout the Bible. Take Thessalonians, for example. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church and he told us, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. I've, of course, not mastered this. Um, finding joy in different seasons is pretty hard, isn't it? I don't have it all worked out. But I do know this. We have a God who cares about us, who is doing something beautiful with each one of us. He's preparing an eternal home for us, a beautiful home, one which isn't filled with suffering and hardships that we experience in this life. Yet, parad- paradoxically, it's actually being built on the cornerstone of suffering and hardships that Jesus endured on the cross. Our pain and our suffering, it stems ultimately from our sin, doesn't it? Well, that's the biblical worldview anyway. But our sin, and so our suffering, 
has been overcome through the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus. That's God's most terrible and beautiful work. It's the work that brings us comfort and forgiveness so that we know that even in the hard times of our lives, there's a perfect and beautiful place, destination waiting for us. God has been at work. He's still at work in our world and in our lives today. But we need to trust Him. We need to learn to find satisfaction and joy as our seasons change in our lives. And that's my prayer for me this week. It's my prayer for my family and my prayer for all of you. One night I had a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene in my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and I noticed that at many times along the paths of my life, especially at the lowest and saddest points, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love and will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Let's sing a response.